coming up today on The Dwelling Place. God chooses us to go through a fiery furnace of affliction. I don't care who you are, you're going to have to go through some things. Your faith will be tested. And of course, the Bible says, Peter says, it will be tested that it might be proven to be more precious than gold. And so God's going to have you walk through some things and walk out some things because God is more interested in developing character than he is charisma. See, the church is interested in charisma. Whoa, look how charismatic that guy is. Oh, man, he, oh, the charisma. Oh, you know, whatever. The personality worship and all of that. But God is more concerned in your character than your charisma. Dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. You are my dwelling place, dwelling place, dwelling place. Since our early days in Sunday school, we've heard over and over again that we're saved by grace and not by works. We've committed verses like Ephesians 2, 8-9 to our memory. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Then we run across the verses in James that at first glance seem to contradict the doctrine of salvation by grace alone through faith alone. Faith without works is dead. But today on The Dwelling Place, we'll see that these passages are actually complementary. Let's find our spot in James chapter 2 and we'll get started. Here again is our teacher, Pastor Al Pittman. I had faith in him and my works followed as I put my trust in the Lord. Nobody can boast in front of the, the presence of God because the righteousness that we have, he deposited into our account because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And like Abraham, we are not enemies of God anymore. We are now friends of God. Yes, sir. Amen. Abraham was not saved by faith plus works, but by a faith that works. That's why I say faith works. Amen. His trust was in the promises of God. Now, let me just make this point that Abraham, I always like to br bring these patriarchs of Scripture down to our level. Not, not to demean them, but to show you that they were people like us. Abraham was a man of great faith, but Abraham wrestled with doubts. Did you know that? He wrestled. I mean, he did not doubt God. He never wavered. As the Bible tells us, I'll read the scripture in a little bit. But he had to wrestle with some things. Amen. For instance, I like when Abraham uh, uh, was going down to Egypt and he knew that Sarah was fine. Amen. Sarah was his wife. Sarah was, back in the day, we said she was fine. Amen. She, she was good looking. She's a beautiful woman. And he knew that if he went down to Egypt and they found out that he was the husband, that they would kill him to get his wife. And so he told Sarah, Abraham, this great man of faith. Now, when we get down there, tell him you my sister. Amen. And he, he, you know, he, he wrestled with some things. He, and he wrestled with God promised him, you're going to have a child and there's going to be a great nation that will come from your seed. God promised him this. Well, he's getting a little long in the tooth, a little older. He said, Sarah's going to bring forth a child. He's getting a little older, and the years started to go by, and, and Sarah and Abraham got together and said, you know what, maybe, maybe, maybe God's going to do it this way, amen? Maybe God wants you, Abraham, talking to her husband, Abraham, to go in to, with my maidservant, Hagar, and she will have a child for us. And it would be our child. And that's the way God's going to make a way. But what did God say? I went, Sarah, you're going to have a child. But, but after a while, after the promises of God, just like we do, we start trying to figure things out, take matters in our own hands. Amen? 
And you know the story. I always think about that story and uh, kind of what's not said there is that I can't find, I've studied Genesis for a long time and I just can't find Abraham protesting that suggestion. I'm just saying, amen. Uh, he was, he was a lot like us. Amen. Amen. Honey, why don't you go in and sleep with my handmaid? Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> amen. Let's just get real about it. And he went in and, he, and he, he slept with Hagar. She became pregnant with child, but he gave birth to what? An Ishmael. And how many times have we given birth to Ishmaels because we've taken matters in our own hands? God gave us a promise. He wrestled. He and Sarah wrestled back and forth. And then, and then Hagar, of course, you know, I give a little bit more color to the story. You know, she gets pregnant and she has Ishmael and she's kind of mocking Sarah now. And Sarah's mad and blaming the whole thing on Abraham. <laughs> Sounds familiar, guys? Anyway, so <laughs> it was her idea, but now he's, he's in trouble, right? And, 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 and of course, he, now like a good husband, capitulates and says, well, whatever you want to do, woman. Amen. Something like that. I'm paraphrasing. And she said, well, get rid of her. So they, you know, Abraham goes to Sarah and says, you got to leave. I mean, Hagar says, you got to leave. And she leaves. But he struggled. The Bible tells us in, in uh, Genesis 17 that Abraham was probably around 86 years old when uh, uh, Ishmael was born. And then, of course, it goes on to say that at the age of 100, <laughs> Abraham cries out to God and says, Oh, <laughs> that Ishmael might stand before you. In other words, Lord, I'm 100 years old. And we don't have a child yet. Maybe it's Ishmael. Maybe you made a mistake, God, and all that Ishmael may stand before you. But what did God say? Sarah will have a child. Hey, Lord, but you know, look, we have a thing here on earth called math. My wife is 90 years old. <laughs> but the Bible says, despite the weakness in his own flesh, he continued to believe God. And you know the story. Sarah, at the tender age of 90 or so, gave birth to Isaac. Amen. I think the lesson there for me with Abraham's life is that sometimes we think in order for me to have great faith, it's in the absence of doubt. But great faith is not in the absence of doubt. It's still great faith despite the doubt. And that's what I see in Abraham's life. There are things he wrestled with, but he continued to believe God. He continued, even if he may have fallen or failed, maybe, you know, he put, took matters in his own hands or whatever. He kept looking to God. God accounted it as righteousness. So I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that, man, if I'm going to have this dynamic faith, if I'm going to have living faith, then I, I never have to wrestle with doubt. Again, Abraham didn't doubt God. He wrestled with doubt. Why? Because he's human. So are you. Dynamic faith, living faith, never produced without someone going through the fiery, furnace of affliction. It's never produced apart from doubt and sometimes even fears. I'm a pastor and I have many doubts. I think God caused the most insecure people in the world to be pastors. And I'm one of them. And the Bible tells us that, that God has chosen the foolish and the weak so that that fool, that, that foolish individual, that weak person, he chooses those things that are not Lord, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm not that. God says, all right, I still choose you. So that when the glory comes, it goes all to him and not to us. Look what the Lord has done. 
But God chooses us to go through a fiery furnace of affliction. I, I don't care who you are, you're going to have to go through some things. Your, your faith will be tested. And, of course, the Bible says, Peter says, it will be tested that it might be proven to be more precious than gold. And so God's going to have you walk through some things and walk out some things because God is more interested in developing character than he is charisma. See, the church is interested in charisma. Whoa, look how charismatic that guy is. Oh, man, he, oh, the charisma. Oh, you know, whatever, the personality worship and all of that. But God is more concerned in your character than your charisma. And so Abraham, verse 22, says that his faith was perfect, made perfect. Why? How? Through the works, through him walking through all these things. And still believing God, his faith was perfect. That word perfect simply means complete in character. Amen. Complete in character. God sends resistance, and there was resistance with Abraham, to make us stronger. Anybody that's done any weight training knows that resistance is what makes you stronger. And you can get your little workout suit and go down to the gym and get on the bench and the bench press and Grab that little bar up there. It's about 45 pounds. And that's a lot of weight. But you can do that. But if you want to grow and get stronger, you've got to put some weight on the end of them too, that, that bar, right? Amen? And you say, well, this is harder than bar. Well, it's supposed to be. Amen? This is harder than when I first came to Jesus. It's supposed to be. God's trying to build you up, amen, uh, by faith so you can do those things that the devil said to you are impossible for you to do, amen, through faith in Christ. <laughs> you got to have some resistance. I guess that's why James also said, I rejoice in trials. James chapter 1. Because he knew it was resistance and was only making him stronger. To the glory of God. Paul writes about Abraham. He says this about Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. And why would he need to be strengthened? Because he was weak. Like us. But he was strengthened in faith, believing God, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Dynamic faith is the belief that God will perform. I, I know it don't look like it today. I know I've got problems. I know my, my wife gave me a bad suggestion and I shouldn't have followed it, but I did anyway because I'm weak. Amen. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever he went through, he continued to point north to the heart of God. It's not being perfect in all my actions and all my ways, but it's continuing to trust in the Lord. I'm still following the Lord. I'm still seeking you, Lord. Dynamic faith is the belief that God will perform what he has promised. Do you believe that today? And then the second example he gives us here is Rahab. Rahab in verse 25, he says, Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Now, who is Rahab? Well, James tells us partly she was a harlot. That's a nice biblical way to say that she was a hooker. She was a prostitute. And James kind of wanted you to know that. Rahab, the harlot, to make a point. And the point is this. That is not our reputation that matters, our past. But it's God's reputation that matters. Because Rahab was delivered because she believed in God's reputation. Pastor Al will be back in just a moment. 
with the second half of today's message in James chapter 2. On behalf of Pastor Al, I would like to ask you to consider becoming a financial partner with us. Your consistent financial support enables us to keep this radio ministry moving forward. To make a one-time donation or to become a monthly supporter, just go to cwccs.org or text the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. And on behalf of Pastor Al, thanks for your support, both through donation and through prayer. Now here's Pastor Al with the conclusion of today's message in James chapter 2. You see, the, the, in Joshua chapter 2, the two spies came in. The two spies were, were Hebrews. They were Israel. Let me give you the backstory. Israel had crossed the Jordan. The first fortified city to come to was Jericho, and God says, take the city. And they were going to take the, you know, preparing to take the city, but they sent spies out to, to, to infiltrate the city and see what was going on. The spies were kind of, were found out, not kind of, they were found out, and they were looking for these spies, these two Hebrew boys spies that had come into the city and Rahab by faith hid them and when they came to Rahab's place she said where did they go and she said well they went this way must have gone out this way so she sent them in a different direction she protected them and they said to her you know uh, you're going to be taken care of you're going to be delivered when the army comes into this city to take the city no one's going to touch you or your family she was delivered and the reason she hid them is not because they were two good looking guys or because they had a lot of money or anything, but because she believed in the reputation of God. Joshua chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It's not on the screen, so if you're taking notes, write it down. Joshua 2, verses 9 and 10. This is what Rahab said to the spies. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard about the Lord, how he dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Oh, we just heard. And what you did in, uh, to the two kings of the Amorites and, uh, who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Rahab is saying, I, I've heard of your God's reputation. That's why she hid the spies. Because she believed God. And because she believed God and God's reputation, not her reputation as a harlot, God delivered her. He justified her. What a great lesson for us. She said, but Pastor Al, I'm a harlot. Pastor Al, I, I've run around. I've done things. Pastor, I, I, I'm sitting here in church, but I dare not tell anybody who I really am. How can God love someone like me? If you will trust in his reputation and what he's able to do rather than what you can do for him, you'll be justified through faith in Christ. Amen. And you'll be delivered. Amen. Do you trust him? See, that's why a lot of people can't come to Christ because they're trusting their reputation. Amen. I want to believe what you're saying, Pastor, but I got some things I need to do. I got, I got some things I've done, and I don't know if I can even come, and I, can, I don't know if I can live without that anymore. And they're looking at their reputation and not God's. It's what God has done for us, not what you can do for him. Amen? And that's why she hid the spies. And so he uses her, Rahab, a harlot, as a second example. You could say dynamic faith is this. It's twofold. It is 
the faith of Abraham who trusted in God's promises and God's word. And it is the faith of Ahab who believed in God's reputation. Faith is trusting in the promises of God and believing in God's reputation. What about God's reputation in your life? We are such flawed beings. How God, and look, look at your own life. I can look back at my life and in my life and look in the past and go, wow, man, I was in that place. Woo, if you'd only know. Oh, my goodness. God brought me through something, amen. Oh, my God. And nobody, but I should be dead, you know. And look how good God is. And we, we, we think about that. And then it's like, wow, God is so good. Two weeks later, another trial. And the devil's got you convinced God hates your guts. God has abandoned me. Oh, why is that? Because you're looking at your reputation, not God. You find yourself in a trial. You want to learn how to walk by faith. Look back on how faithful God has been and feed on his faithfulness, as the Bible says, and not your failures. Amen. His reputation and not yours. Conclusion of the matter, verse 26, James says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Fear is the enemy of faith. However, faith works when we keep our focus on the author and the finisher of it. Isn't that what it says in Hebrews chapter 12? Looking unto Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. He who began a good work in me will also complete it. Keep your focus on Jesus. Faith works when you keep your focus on Jesus. Faith works even when everything and everybody else has failed you. When Jesus was with the disciples and he was sleeping in the bottom of the boat and they encountered a storm on the Galilee and Sea of Galilee. And remember the story, how the, looked like the, fo- the boat was filling with water and Jesus is out cold. He's sleeping. And they went down and they shook him and said, don't you care that we perish? And he gets up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Remember the story? One gospel account says that he said to them, oh, ye of little faith. Another account says he rebuked them and said also with that, he said to them, where is your faith? And the question could be asked to us this morning, where is your faith? Is it in the promises of God? In the reputation of God? Was it in something else? Did your boyfriend or girlfriend walk out the door with your faith? Is your faith in Washington, D.C.? Amen. Hey, listen, the government might be shut down, but Gabriel said to Mary, of his kingdom, there is no end. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the government can be shut down, but God's not shut down. Amen. Never shut down. He who watches over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps 24-7. But sometimes we've misplaced our faith. Your faith is in Washington. I run across Christians. Their faith is in Washington, D.C. I'm, I'm like, where is your faith? You're up late at night worried and all this kind of stuff about what's going on in Washington, D.C. Be concerned, yes, but my faith is not resting there. It is in the Lord. When everything and everyone else has failed us, we still have a God who stands with us. I like what it says in Habakkuk. I know it's one of those minor prophets. It's kind of hard to find in the Old Testament. But if you go to Matthew and turn left, 
you'll get there pretty quick, amen? The book of Habakkuk, chapter 3, verse 17 to 19, says this. Because this is faith. Though the fig tree may, be, may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there is no herd in the stalls. Now we stop right there. That's where a lot of people's faith is. I'll have faith when there's figs on the, on the tree. I'll have faith when there's fruit on the vines. I have faith in the Lord when my bank account is filled. I have faith when there's olives on the olive tree. I'll have faith when there's food in the field, when everything's going my way. I'll have faith when there's a herd in the stall, when I got that new car sitting in the garage. I have faith. But Habakkuk says, even when I don't have all these things, the Babylonians are breathing down the neck of Israel at this point, historically speaking. Israel is under the judgment of God because they have turned away from God. And Baca said, you know what, there's a, there's a lot of things lacking right now. But he said, even though all these things are lacking, he says in verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Wow. And then he says this, here's faith. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills, on elevated places, exalted. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up he will be your strength where is your faith is it in the stalls it is in the fields is it in the vineyard or is it in the lord and no matter what i'm going through right now people have failed me things have failed me but he never fails for when we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot deny who he is he cannot deny his reputation. Amen. Amen. I'll close with this. This uh, verse is in Psalm 125, verse 1. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. Amen, amen, and amen. But abides forever. Trust in the Lord. Faith works. Amen. When we put our faith in God. This has been The Dwelling Place, featuring the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Al Pittman, Senior Pastor at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you enjoy Pastor Al's teaching ministry, we have some good news for you. You can listen, watch, or download an archive of past messages and our current series in the Book of Acts with a simple mouse click at cwccs.org. Just click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And while you're checking out our website, be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al with you wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at OnePlace.com. And I would also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy The Dwelling Place on this station. You can also share a prayer request with us. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Have you considered becoming a financial supporter of The Dwelling Place? We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. You can support this program with a one-time gift or become a monthly supporter. If you'd like to join our support team, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org, or by texting the word GIVE to 
800-256-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. You'll find directions and service times for both locations at cwccs.org. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, and join us next time for another study in the book of Acts. The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman is presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado.